Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I am your host, Teresa Alexander-Inman, board-certified behavior analyst and infant toddler developmental specialist. Today, Ms. Shannon Colbath is here to help us, to give us some great information, so share some wonderful wisdom with us. And before she does that, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this amazing lady. Now, she started her journey a lifetime ago. She said it like she thought she did, but really it became apparent that when she had her daughter in 2015, um, her hus- she and her husband together, um, <clears throat> they had been together about 10 years and were best friends and soulmates. And she always knew that something had to be more when it came to intimacy, sex, general connection. And she could feel it so deeply, but couldn't figure out how to access it and experience substantial changes in mindset, opening awareness to attachment patterns and developmental conditioning and trauma that was holding her back in every aspect of her life. Now, Shannon has done the work and today she works with parents among, she works with you know men, she works with couples, but she also works with parents who want calm and connection. Who doesn't want common connection at home? <laughs> <laughs> so they can break patterns and create lasting and full relationships with their kids. Welcome, 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 Shannon. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, just to expand a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow, what a journey. It's interesting hearing you read it, hearing you read it back. Um You know, I think specifically to parenting, you know, I, like I had said, I knew, I knew there had to be more within me and I just felt so many somatic barriers. I could remember instances where this, my husband, this person that I adored and wanted to be near me, he would walk towards me and I would feel my whole body like tense up and freeze. And, you know, all of these inner blocks that I didn't become aware of until I had my daughter. And it was just such an opening experience as I know it is for so many people when you have a child, Uh, but it really helped me examine who do I want to be for her? Because I can remember, you know, you reflect on your parents. And I remember the times that I saw my mom look at her body without loving eyes and the way that she would interact with my dad and, and those, those things. And just her journey that I saw through a child's eyes. And I just said, not only how do I want to raise my daughter and now my son as well, but how do I want to raise her, but how do I want to model for her? And, um, that took me down a a long path of lots of books and lots of research. And I had already been, um, a behavioral coach for a number of years in the personal training world. So coaching people with movement, nutrition, regeneration, things like that. But I, I just needed more. So I, I did a lot of research, um, books, you know, mindset by Carol Dweck was a huge one, really understanding growth and fixed mindset. Um, you know, and then some other books just around being a woman and and understanding my body more. And then I did this magical certification with Layla Martin around sex, love and relationships. And that's really where I was exposed to, um, you know, more of the attachment pieces and the, the trauma and the conditioning and all of, all of those pieces that have really led me to where I'm at today. Awesome. And thank you for really 
bringing home the fact that you are a model for your children. The relationship that you model for them is the relationship that they're going to get into. So if your child had observed you just always when your husband approached you to just, you know, be rigid and frozen and there's no love and affection, would you agree that they might get into a similar relationship, one that appears to be loveless, even though there might there's love there, but they're not used to seeing affection and they might model that? Yeah, a thousand percent. And I think um my experience and what I've learned in, in working with parents, especially as I'm, I'm sure you have in your, in your field is even if they see it, if the, if the truth of it isn't there, they're going to pick up on the underlying energy. So I think I could have been, and we were connected, hugging, lovey, um, always touching, but it was the, the deeper route. And I think that through the keen observation of children's eyes, it's the, it's the micro expressions. It's the, the underlying energy of what's actually happening in that moment that they pick up on so deeply that absolutely had I not done any work, um, she and my son would definitely likely step into relationships that, that mirrored that because that's what they would have been shown. Yeah, that's what the people live, what they know. And if that's what they know, what they've become, they, they've become comfortable with, then that's what's going to happen. And, yeah. you know, we have to be so cognizant of that. Just be very aware of what we're the, what we're feeding our children, not just food, but, you know, what are they seeing? What are they feeling? You know, what's that environment that we're creating? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So how did you come to this place? And, and you said you did the courses and you did the book, but what was the actual process after reading mm. all those books? What did you learn about yourself? And what did you, you know, and just what was the process that took you from there to here? Mm. Yeah, you know, a lot of time in um, the intellectual world, you know, our brain and our ego really love to keep us in the space of analyzing and learning more. If I just learn more and I read more books, um, then I'll be able to figure it out. And so I spent a number of years really reading and learning and having deep conversations about all the things. And the biggest shift was when I actually began to step into transformation by connecting with my body and moving from always being in my head mm -hmm. and thinking about what's the right move, what's this, what's that, to dropping into the feeling, noticing the sensations, noticing and giving space for emotions of all ranges. And I don't mean, right, that giving myself permission to fly off the handle because that's what was there, but noticing if I if I was feeling a lot of tension or, or just like, you know, that's that spike when you feel overwhelmed, it's almost like you're going to crawl out of your skin and, and just becoming um, present with those things. And then the process of learning um, how to go deeper with them. So getting curious, okay, I'm feeling this. 
let me, let me be with it and connect with it and ask, what is it? What is it that you're wanting? What is it that you need in this moment? And really trusting the wisdom of my body, um, you know, the, the, the limbic system and really those primal imprints to come out and, and speak to me through intuition and, you know, connecting with all of those things and listening to that and then practicing great tools like breath work and movement, um, communication strategies as well, um, with my husband and, and with my kids and with everybody in my life. Um, but to answer your question, it, it was really moving from a space of analyzation to a space of presence and being with the actual feelings and then working to align and integrate those um, so that I can bring both the wisdom of my knowing in with the wisdom of my body versus operating separately where it's not okay to feel anything. I need to be in a logical brain all the time to a unified, grounded, a grounded place. Gotcha. So you embrace whatever the feeling is. So if it's overwhelmed, you, mm. you sit in it and ask yourself, why are you overwhelmed? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'll give an example of what happens with um, my my daughter. She's about to be seven. So we are absolutely exploring independence and her, you know, finding her space and letting me know how things are going to be. And that's extremely triggering for me because in my childhood, that would have, that wasn't accepted. I wasn't able to have a voice. I would have been grounded. I would have been sent to my room, maybe, um, you know, physically punished in some way. And so what happens is I'll, I'll feel that I mean, it really is almost like rage in my body. Like, how dare you speak to me that way? Like, that's what's happening in my head. And then it's, it's a noticing of, I feel this versus moving all the way into action from that emotion and just saying like, something's happening and something in me is, is communicating something. So outwardly it's a, and most of the time I'm great at this sometimes Sometimes I'm not, and I'll have to go back and apologize and repair. But most of the time it's like, baby, mom is feeling overwhelmed right now. I need to take a minute. I'll be right back. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll go in the other room and breathe and just sit and give space for what I'm feeling and just get curious about what it is. And it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of practice. There are these, there's beautiful practices that you can go through. Um, to really begin to work with these mind-body exploration pieces, understanding the purpose behind the feelings, which oftentimes it's protection and, and just trying to keep you from getting hurt. Um, but yeah, I'll just sit with them and be with it. Um, use movement or sounding or breath work to let it flow through. Sometimes, I mean, it really is, you know, I'll scream into a pillow or stomp my feet, like really shake my body out, like get it out. Um, and, and honor it if I can in the moment. And if I can't, then I just do the best that I can and work with it later. But in that moment, then yeah, I'll, I'll process it. And then I can go back and actually have a, a conversation from a grounded place where I can now hold space for this small person who doesn't have the capacity to regulate their nervous system. Like I can from a regulated versus dysregulated place. And that is such a great lesson for her as well as to how to handle that situation because I see so often in schools and homes where children they don't know because they haven't had that model 
is, you know, they start, you know, two-year-old starts fussing and dad's like, be quiet, stop it. And it's just like, well, he's two and he's communicating. This is what he's, you know, he's learning to communicate and it's a journey for him. You've been communicating for a whole lot longer and you're having challenges obviously right now with that because yelling is not the way to do it. So when your child sees you handle it that way, then that's a great model for her to imitate later on because this is what mommy does. And I'm going to do what mommy does. And now we're creating, we're developing this child who's not only in touch with her feelings and has learned to manage them as well and present them in a way that is more functional, you know, more appropriate. Yeah, that's the goal. And I think for me, that's, that's where like the true resiliency comes from. You know, I definitely grew up in a space where it was the world is tough on me, so I'm going to be tough on you. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are some underlying merits to that. I think that there are times and spaces where you can create intentional pressure mm -hmm. uh, to support your kids through. But from a foundational perspective, having lived it and seen the result for me and how it certainly fueled me to be a very driven person but you know driven out of necessity for survival not driven out of not driven from a space of grounded resiliency and so so as hard as it is sometimes and I am imperfect like I said I have to repair all the time but then you know it's it's also modeling that human side of me where it's like mom's not perfect mom has feelings um mom gets overwhelmed too it's not, you know, letting her know it's not about you. It has nothing to do with you. Um, but, you know, showing all the sides, um, I think is important, but back to the resiliency, I think it's, yes, yeah, like modeling that all emotions are okay. You're going to experience a full range as a human. Um, it doesn't give you, you know, reason then to just lash out and act out on people, but can you feel them? Are they welcome? Absolutely. Let's, let's create a space where I demonstrate how you can experience those and then move on through your day has in experience just with my daughter, I'm seeing it with my son and with the clients that I've worked with, it creates such a strong foundation where now they're now the kids, when they go out into situations that are questionable or they're met with kids, you know, experiencing their, their social dynamics, that there's just this sense of confidence and, and in flexibility and what they can manage. Wonderful. Now, would those be elements of conscious grounded parenting? Mm. The things that you're talking about? Yeah. Can you go a little deeper into that? Like, are there some other, other elements of conscious grounded parenting? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, um, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about, or I've talked a lot about the, the energetics of the emotions and just how you hold space. Right. So, you know, being a, a supportive kind of gentle, but real, um, place where your kids can crash against is one aspect. The other aspect that I has found to be really impactful and really important is wording um, a lot in how you communicate and the words that you use. Um, 
to support a growth mindset, to support safety, to support uh, freedom of expression, I think is, is really, you know, big. And so some of those principles for me, and I'm also curious, you know, to learn from you as well around that, but, you know, really not making things outcome-based. So from a gentle parenting perspective and gentle conscious parenting, meaning, right. Like looking at the whole child, not just the outcome of what I hope they are. Um, you know, so it's those things around avoiding something like, oh, you're so smart or, oh, great job. I I knew you could do it into, I really see that you put a lot of effort into that. I'm so excited to see you working so hard at something when I know that it's frustrating and it's hard. I think that it's leading with empathy. Um, if they're having, you know, an extreme reaction to something, you know, one life is still so new. I mean, even I think I haven't gotten to the teenage years yet. So people may agree with me, but I think even into that realm, things are still relatively new that you're experiencing in life. And so I try to imagine when I'm experiencing something new or, or kind of scary and the feelings that come with that. And I've got, you know, 40 years of, of life behind me now. And this person is just kind of budding into who they're going to be it's a lot and it's scary. And when you're a kid and a teenager, those emotions, as we remember are like extreme. So I think it's being empathetic to things like I fell down and I, I scraped my knee versus just being like, Oh, let's just brush it off. It's like, no, I I really want to hold you through this so that you can both emotionally know that it's okay to have these experiences, but also physiologically from a stress cycle perspective, I want to hold you through the complete stress cycle so that your body can process all that emotion, all that energy, shake it off and, and know that everything's going to be okay. So I think leading with empathy, um, is, a another piece that comes up pretty strongly. Thank you. Because <laughs> seriously, because I've like so many times, oh, you're okay. You know, a child falls and then they're told they're okay. Like, you don't know that. If they tell, they, did they tell you they're okay? So mm. we have to, you know, we don't want them to feel that, oh, I got hurt and it didn't mean anything. We have to, like you said, show up and, sh- and you know, love them through that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say something because there are times I've seen just in my work where children have gotten hurt. And unfortunately, that's the only time they ever get some real att- attention and affection. Mm-hmm. And I caution parents not to give them more attention and affection when they're hurt than when like that at other times, because then they're going to keep getting hurt to get that same attention and affection. Does that make sense to you? Like, would you agree with yes. that? Yes. And it's interesting that you mentioned that it's something that's, that's been on my mind lately, just, um, you know, the questions around attachment research and can you be too responsive to your child? I don't know that I'm on that bandwagon yet, but I do agree with you. I definitely, um, have seen in my own house when I have a lot of things going on, especially with my son, you know, he, he'll notice that if he falls and I'm like, Oh, you know, are you okay? But then I go about my day mm-hmm. and I'm doing my work. Um, I definitely notice those patterns where then he's like falling on purpose or doing other things. So 
I think, again, an experience. And I think, you know, if you really look into the research behind it, that absolutely makes sense. And I think that that's a very valid, valid point of trying to be consistent throughout all circumstances, for sure. Thank you, because I feel better now. Because again, like I said, I've been doing that, and people, you know, a lot of people they criticize behavior analysis because, like, oh no, you're not. You guys don't teach affection, but we do. It's mm. just we want to make sure that you're not shaping a behavior that you don't want. Yeah. So it's okay to love your child and hug and kiss. I mean, when I work with people's children, I have to be careful not to hug them and kiss them more than the parents hug them and kiss them because I just want to sop them up because they're just so sweet. Yeah. However, I there has to be a balance and it can't just be, like you said, overly responsive to everything. And that child does not develop resilience because they're so used to somebody being there to you know, pick them up when they fall and do all of this. And now I have to do nothing because mm -hmm. mommy's going to do mommy thinks for me. Mommy does everything for me. Yeah. Yeah. Such a powerful point for sure. I have so many thoughts that come up around that. <laughs> <laughs> Want to share too? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, just as I, I'm hearing you talk about that, you know, some of the other things when you asked me earlier about, you know, some of the tenets or principles of conscious or gentle parenting um, is really that. I think it is really shaping the path for your child to become who they are going to be um, with as, as little like coaching or interference from you as possible. And I, I really view that it's the same in a, in a training scenario, right? Like I can know that a client that I might be working with has a particular goal. Maybe they want to learn how to do a deadlift or they want to run a particular, you know, distance. And if I interfere too much and I overcoach and I, and I put all these things in, then one, it's confusing Two, it, it starts to make them question their own innate ability. And then they start to try to do it. Like I want them to do it versus how they already know. So I look at that too, you know, around letting it be as child-led as possible. Um, so if, you know, somebody falls, I'll definitely wait to see, like I'm calm until I need to intervene. Um, or a lot of like circling praise back to, to one of them, you know, what do you think? How do you think you did? How do you feel about yourself? Um, and so I think that that's, I think that's was my two kind of wrapped into one um, statement, but I felt that that was important too. And I've had a lot of instances lately where I've really had to learn and and be introspective around the decisions that I'm making. And is this because it makes me feel good, or is this really in the best interest of this human that I'm raising? Um, and is this really what's going to serve the fire inside of this? this human who has their own desires and they're just budding um, or is this the way that I see them? And those are, are so, I mean, I feel like I could have an hour conversation just on that journey, but those are some other things that feel, you know, gentle parenting, I think is how you show up in relation to another human. Um, I view my kids as equals in a lot of ways and there's boundaries and I have to teach them respect, but 
I don't think just because I'm older that I deserve more rights or, or things than they do. Um, but I am the person that has the capability to help guide them um, within the bumpers. And then conscious parenting is, I think, just being aware of the fact that it's a human and you have the privilege of raising them and they're going to teach you so much if you let them. Yes, yes, yes. And that's exactly what I was thinking. So it's like, it's amazing how much you learn from children. If you just allow them, if you just sit back, some parents are so quick to respond. And sometimes when they respond, they disrupt that learning process for the child, or they don't get to see what their child is capable of. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I'm just going to give a quick example. I was working with a family the other day and I was like, oh, does he, how was he about walking outside barefoot? Because that's really good for sensory and grounding and all those things. And she said, oh, he doesn't really like it. He never wants to be outside. I said, let's go try it. And it always has to start with the parent being calm, right? Mm -hmm. And you've mentioned that, that, you know, coming in and being calm and then, so, and then mom took her shoes off. So she modeled that for him. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, he was out there and mom was going in. So he thought it was time for him to go in. He went and shut that door because he didn't want to go in. He wanted to continue walking out there on the grass barefoot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that story. It's so powerful and goes back to the modeling that we were just talking about earlier. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. And you like I said, children will teach us, you know, you said it, they will yeah. give them that opportunity. They, oh, they're so incredible. I mean, that, that's why I love working with the babies because there's always something, I always come away with something that I was just like, wow, that child just, you know, a two-year-old just taught me something so deep and it's just incredible. And that's, again, you know, you spoke to resiliency and all of those things. That's when you see that. Mm -hmm. But if you continue to call them and protect them, they don't become resilient. Mm -hmm. They don't, they, you know, you're not fostering independence. You're not fostering, not just independence physically, but a thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's hard, you know, yeah. it's hard, even with all the tools, even with all the inner work, like those old ingrained habits come on hard. I think I just posted about this the other day. I mean, like it is a constant choice. Um, you know, I always laugh whenever, and everybody has different opinions. So I want to be respectful of that, but Absolutely. I always laugh when I, you know, hear things like gentle parenting creates kind of weak children. I'm like, man, it's the hardest road I've ever walked because it's a constant facing a constant mirror to myself of what's unresolved and what I need to work on. It's hard, but it's, I mean, it's so worth it to see what comes out of it. And we'll hope, you know, time will tell when they're 30. My guess is I'm going to have a great relationship with them, but we'll see. I know it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. Of course, but you know what? You've created the foundation and that's the important part. Once you put that foundation in place, then, you know, the Bible even says it, train a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Mm -hmm. You put that foundation in place and you will be amazed. And like you said, there will be those moments where you're like, oh my goodness, you know, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I thought I had this down. <laughs> I'm sure we're going down. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. But um, having that sometimes, you know, so often your child, once you put that foundation in, they can help you solve those problems. Mm hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, 
I'm wondering, I, you may have another question, but I'm wondering from your experience, do you have any tenants that I didn't mention that you would consider to be kind of the, the foundations of gentle or conscious parenting? Allowing, and, and I don't think so, because we talked about allowing children just to be and let them guide you because everything should be child-led. Yeah. Because, you know, when I work with children, you know, people say, oh, ABA is this, which is applied behavior analysis. It's this, it's that, it's the other thing. Now, ABA is child-led. ABA is child-centered. ABA is allowing children to express themselves within, like you said, the bumper rails. You put them there and you allow them. If a child's about to fall and you know not, they're not really going to hurt themselves, allow them to fall because they'll take less risks later on. Mm -hmm. they'll engage in less risky behavior so allow certain things it's not being that overly protective hovering parent you're st you stifle your child when you do that so allow them allow them to make mistakes and when they make mistakes you gently guide them back it's like oh my goodness how many times have i told you and you're da, 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 da. it's you know you can ask them what was that experience like for you mm -hmm. yeah could we have yeah. done something differently could we have done, you know, and I wouldn't say better because different does not always mean better and better to me may not be better for you. Yeah. So, yeah. It's not a tangent now, Shannon. I love that question. Oh, I'm going to take it. I don't think I've asked. I don't think I've asked that. So I'll take it. <laughs> awesome. Now, if there was one thing you would want parents to come away with, what would it be? Mm, oh. I believe that if we, and I say this knowing that there's so much beauty in having access to so much information, but there's so much innate wisdom within us that, and it comes back for me to, to really being able to connect the mind and the body and reintegrate that through line and trust it. If you can, if you can quiet all the shoulds and all the blogs and all of the studies for a minute and resource them when you need to, but if you can quiet all of that and just listen to what is coming up inside of you, I've experienced that friends have experienced that. And then again, this is absolutely a conversation I have, um, when I'm working with parents, but it's that, you know, you can feel it. Um, and you can feel when you're out of alignment. And if you're not sure that you can feel it, it will show up either in your child's behavior or how you, how you feel about the scenario. So that's the one thing I would know is that and we were talking about this before we started, there is no manual that's true. And the blueprint is so deeply ingrained within you that if we could all listen to that a little bit more and trust it, I think it, it would make it a 1% better for everybody, less stress, less am I doing it right? Um, and just lead with the connection. Are you feeling connected to what you're doing? Are you feeling connected to your child? How does this feel for your inner child? That's a whole other thing. But you know, if you were on the flip side of this, is this how you would want it to be handled? Um, so really leading with connection and trusting that innate wisdom, I think is the one thing. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we all have that innate wisdom. So yes. tap into it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This has been so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> it has been. Thank you. Yeah. 
So I want to do this again because there's so much to talk about, you know, when it comes to parenting and look at me just talking about what I want. Didn't even ask Shannon, would you like to come back, Shannon? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate you and thank you for sharing all of your wisdom. Mm -hmm. And hey, where can people find you? Before we sign off, please let people know where they can find you. Yeah. Um, shannonrenee.com, um, S H A N O N R E N A Y.com. Um, you can find me there or on Instagram at Shannon Renee. Wonderful. And remember that is one, one N and Shannon. That's and right. And a Y Renee. Yes. yes. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, connect with Shannon, please. Cause I mean, come on, if she gave us all of this now, what more does she have mm. to share? <laughs> yeah it'll be a journey it'll be worth it yes yes listen i'm tapping in so thanks awesome. <laughs> all right take care